0: Well, he said in that, in that wonderfully emotional interview after the after the final with, with George that there were dark days in January I think he said when he just felt all the injuries, his game had gone he was very close to saying that's it I've had enough, I'm not going to play uh, to go from there to, to where he is now is, is just fantastic it's one of the great sporting stories as I think I said in, in the commentary it's, it transcends golf log on the fire nobody here is getting tired welcome to the fire pit with matt chinella the british amateur championship is one of the oldest and greatest events in golf the first in 1885 was played at Hoylake in england Bobby Jones won the British Amateur in 1930 and what was then considered a part of his Grand Slam of championships. Other notable winners include Sir Michael Banalek, who won it five times, Joe Carr, the great Irish amateur, who won it three times, Jose Maria Olathebel in 1984, and Sergio Garcia in 1998. Runner-ups include Colin Montgomery, Trevor Immelman, and Tommy Fleetwood. You like the stories of Monday qualifiers who get a spot in a PGA Tour event? then you'll love the fact that the winner of the British Amateur Championship gets a spot in the Open Championship, the Masters, the U.S. Open, a European tour event, and a five-year exemption into the U.S. Amateur, assuming they don't go pro. The 2021 British Amateur Championship would be played at Nairn Golf Club in Scotland on the same weekend as the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Here at the Fire Pit Collective, the team had assembled to meet and greet brainstorm story ideas colt nedler our newest hire jumped in did you guys hear what happened at the british amateur championship wild pausing here to thank john ashworth and jeff cunningham co-creators of link soul for their support here's ashworth on why the game of golf matters i mean it's very important to to humanity i always go back to that it's it's like this thing you can always go back to um Mm. And I'm just glad. I mean, I feel like there's the golf world and everything, the other world, they go parallel. And that's why even through COVID, I mean, it's such a positive thing through COVID because people, it allows people to get outside. You can easily keep your distance and um, it's positive. Go to com and use promo code FIREPIT25 for 25% off your next purchase. All right. Before we get to what would be one of the greatest 38-hole finals in the 126-year history of the tournament – you should get to know Laird Shepherd, the 23-year-old Englishman who was thirtieth alternate and came into the week not only inspired by being healthy, he was also just grateful he had a spot in stroke play. We start with Shepherd's earliest memories of golf.
1: Probably playing with my I've got a twin brother um, playing golf with him in our back garden backyard um, and uh, yeah, plastic clubs, plastic golf balls that only go about 35 yards and making their own little golf course. I mean, that, I mean, that seems like a common story for a lot of people that play golf. But, um, you know, that was my earliest memory of playing golf. Um, never really took it very seriously. Just enjoyed it and uh, pretended like we were on TV. And
0: <laughs> Stuart Shepard, Laird's father, has always loved skiing, horse racing, and golf. Laird is an elite amateur on the Lynx. His twin brother, Callum, is one of the best young jackies in England.
2: They were both they were born prematurely, so seven and a half weeks premature. So they were both pretty small. Laird was only three three pound two ounces, I think. Um, you know, hardly anything to him. Um, and the result, they were always small, uh, and they love soccer. And they were pretty good at it, uh, Laird up front as an attacker and, and Callum uh, at the back. But um, they were just ultimately too small to compete. At, you know, they, they actually went to a specific school to play soccer when they were 13. But really, they're already probably, just, you know, being outgrown by all the lads at the same age. So
0: Obviously, they've both found their way to their respective sports. Laird's college golf was on scholarship for Dean Robertson at the University of Stirling in Scotland where he was a freshman in 2016.
1: It's, it's funny because, you know, the, the guys from Sterling, we usually go and play in the Prestige in California in February, um, which I think is Stanford's and UC Davis's co-hosted event. And uh, I mean, wow, that's it was eye-opening to go and play in that. But I remember the year before I started at uh, Sterling, um, the guys were leading off the first round, Um which was amazing because, you know, the, the level of golf that the biggest, you know, college teams are playing is just amazing. And um, to see Sterling competing in that was like, you know, I don't need to go halfway across the world to, to play against some great players. And um, so that, that's really what made me decide that Sterling was the place for me to go, basically.
0: The good news was they had a good team. The bad news was they had a good team.
1: Now look back and at the team that we had at the time um, that year. You had Two guys played the Walker Cup um, in 2015, the year before I came. And two Swiss guys who who were in the top hundred in the world. Another couple of guys who were, you know, if not in the top hundred, very near to it. Um, so it was a very competitive team, and you know, I I went from being probably the worst player on the team in my first year, and to be honest, that's where you want to be. If you wanted to develop, you want to be that worst guy on the team and, you know, you want to get in your, your butt kicked every practice. And uh, that's what it was for the first, you know, three or four months, but um, led to huge, like, personal improvement and, and growth for, for, for me and, you know, soon became one of the, the better guys in the team. I mean, so, I mean, it, it just worked out perfectly, really, those those first few years, yeah.
0: Meet Chloe Godby. Hello. Hello, Chloe. How are you doing? Shepard's girlfriend of three years and oh by the way, is the recent winner of the Women's Scottish Amateur Championship.
3: So we both started at Sterling University in 2015, in September 2015. So that's kind of where where we first met, and we were both the two, we were the two only freshmen in the golf scholarship program at Sterling. Um, so kind of coming into the same experience and we we came into a really great team. Like there was four players on the men's team in the top one hundred in the world rankings. Um, the women's team was starting to get some strength to it. So there's a mixed kind of program there, and you know, obviously that's where we got to know each other and just on kind of trips and things. And yeah, then we then we became <laughs> became what we are today. So
0: so things were good at Sterling until they weren't anymore.
1: I struggled with some low right side back pain probably you know 2017 so that was my, my end of my second year um, and at that point I was starting to play pretty well um, so I had a few months off here and there and it's just something that, that bugged me for a long time I mean essentially for the last four years um, you know excluding January from now because I've seemed to have got things under control now but I literally would would barely practice hitting long shots i would just work on my wedges work on a short game and then you know two three days before an event would just sort of hit a few longer shots and just get used to it and would just go about things that way because i couldn't handle hitting a lot of balls
0: laird's back pain led to an mri which revealed inflammation of the facet joints which and i'm no doctor here but laird says and google confirms that they hold the discs in place so Shepherd made a change to a swing. Then there was knee pain, which led to minor knee surgery, which he came back from too soon. And that led to more knee pain, more surgery. And when he got that under control, there was more back pain. As he said to me,
1: you know, it takes its
0: toll. Not to mention short days, bad weather.
3: There's some long winters over in Scotland here. So, you know, dark, dark nights, cold winters and... I think, you know, spending days on end, just we lived together one winter and, at university and just spending days in the flat where he can't go and play golf because of because of his knee, I think was probably some of the toughest times for him.
1: I think it was February 2020, uh, I had to walk off golf course and uh, started having some sort of like severe nerve pain in my left hip and low side of my left back and, um again it was pretty much the same thing and inflamed facet joints and stuff and um that's when i was at my lowest i mean yeah i was pretty um pretty lost as what to do at that point so
0: to be physically lost as it relates to golf is every golfer's worst nightmare
1: i really doubted for for a long time that my body would allow me to 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 do what i wanted to do and um the, the more you look at golf swings and stuff, you know, I, I watch Bryson hit balls on, on when it's on my phone. And it's like, you know, that just, it freaks me out because I just, you know, I think of all the things that, that your body doesn't want. you know, It's not designed to do that. You know, it's not really designed to swing a golf club to be fair. So, um, all that stuff, you start to, to really internalize and, um, just sort of doubt whether, um, it's, it's going to work out. And uh, to be honest, I think the, the coronavirus hitting when it did was obviously it's a, a, it's been a disaster for a lot of people, but f- for me, it came at uh, uh, the best time it could have done in terms of I was at my lowest and I probably needed the whole world to stop for a few months so I could try and figure, figure it out. Um, so, I mean, in a way I'm, I'm, thankful for that because if you know if i'd lost another five six months i don't think i would be able to have faced it really so
0: shepherd started seeing charles marshall in march of 2020 while sheltering in scotland he was also doing his college dissertation on how elite athletes come back from injuries
1: and i i've been someone who had been told that basically the stronger you get the more immune to injury you're going to be, um, which is true to a certain extent, but it just didn't work for me. Now I worked my butt off in the gym. You know, I I really went through a stage of lifting lots, trying to get really strong, and uh, it never it never helped me. It just actually it, it it you know disadvantaged me really. So going to see Charles and and doing things that you know you'd never ever. So I've never ever think about doing a lot of the stuff we started with was breathing drills and um, different sort of mobility modalities. But, um, you know, stuff that I walked away from that and thought, that's really different. I've never done stuff like that before. And um, I think for someone searching for an answer, doing things that are completely different uh, is is great because you think, well, at least I haven't tried this before. So
0: The sheltering in St. Andrews was with Chloe and her sister Lauren.
3: I think COVID probably gave him a good chunk of time to work on his body. I mean, he's the hardest worker I know. The amount he puts into rehabbing his body and just doing every everyday things that people don't realise that people do to kind of just to keep him in a place where he can play.
0: To break up the boredom and to make a little cash, the three of them got jobs at Tesco's call centre which they had to do from home. Tesco is a chain of supermarkets. The job answering phones paid £8 an hour, which is $11.
3: So yeah, it was an interesting one for us. We felt like we had to get up early and get everything done before three o'clock when our shift started. And I think Laird, um, he probably hated it every day. Um, (laughs) Every day we did it, but I guess it gives you some perspective, doesn't it? It was eye-opening.
1: It's definitely not what, I want to do for the rest of my life. So um, whatever I end up doing, you know, I've got to try my best and, and do it to the best of my abilities because, um, you know, you've you've got to make the most of your opportunities to, to make sure you don't do something you don't want to do.
0: Chloe got laid off in July of 2020 in an act of what Laird referred to as...
1: I quit uh, in, in solidarity with her.
0: So Shepard quit Tesco and they both started playing some golf again.
3: I think it was the start of July and that kind of gave us a good block. We both played the British Amateur in 2020 in August. Um, And I think we had about six weeks to kind of prepare for that. And that was quite nice to have a good chunk of time to dedicate to practicing. And we just went out and played lots together, trying to get a card in the hand to try and create some form of pressure that we hadn't had before. So Yeah, I think that's an experience neither of us will forget.
0: Who doesn't love a card in hand? I love that phrase, card in hand. You know, you got to get card in hand. That's competitive. That's like, that means you're competing.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love that. You got to get card in hand. When Laird and Chloe would practice, it was at Duke's, not far from St. Andrews. And even though it was nice to be outside and swinging the club again, the golf wasn't great and Laird's body still wasn't right. In
1: August, we played the British... Um At Birkdale, that was um great to just get playing again um made the match play then got got beat um in the first round, but I was happy because i i played decent and I you know physically held up to playing some golf again.
3: I remember him saying to me before the tournament that he was a bit concerned about his body and that he felt that if he got through the thirty six holes stroke play qualifying. If he qualified for the match play, he was concerned that he wouldn't be able to play the match play because of his body.
0: Like most golfers who are chasing answers, Shepherd was open to any opinions on his swing and body, which included David Patrick, Chloe's coach. I asked Shepherd for the consensus of what they all considered his issues.
1: Basically, my, my, I, don't, I didn't really turn my hips. So I didn't turn my hips at the time. So my, my swing was a very short John Rahm um, length action um and i had a lot of lateral shift into my lead side um so so that was basically I think what was causing quite a lot of discomfort because every time you hit a golf shot it's like you've got a mini car crash going on your sort of left hip basically because everything's compressed and, and going into the ground so um trying to get m- more turn in the backswing and um then hopefully that should mean you know, you're you clearing a little bit better on the way through and give yourself a bit more time.
0: By the fall of 2020, the back pain started being a factor again, which is where fate plays a part in the life of Laird Shepard.
1: I mean, this next bit I think is quite a fairy tale, sort of just like, thank God our paths crossed at the right time type of situation. But I was, uh, during our, my junior golf days, I was friendly with um, this guy called Tom Bailey. Hi there.
0: Matt Janella here. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks. How are you doing?
0: Bailey, who's currently competing and coaching, remembers the early days.
4: Special. like He was good. Everyone knew he was good. He was never the longest. Like He's never been the biggest guy. Um, he's, he's still not. <laughs> but he, he can get it out there for, for pound to pound. He gets it out there. Yeah, but not the longest. And junior golf, he just putted and chipped as good as anything I've ever seen.
1: We were, yeah we were mates, we played the same golf course, we played a lot of golf together and uh, we traveled around a few tournaments together when when I was younger.
4: We all knew that lead was going to be good um and then obviously he went through issues with injuries and and he went quiet for a while, but uh, yeah he's you just got to get him healthy and on a golf course and he's going to do something good.
1: So I'm back home in January or in, in December, sorry, I just came down um before my um grandfather's funeral and then stayed for christmas um but uh, I was at a range nearby and um, was setting balls and, and Tom had just recently started coaching.
4: Yeah. We bumped into each other and, and and we're all more just catching up about the last few years. And then we were hitting some shots with each other. And as you do, you talk about what you're working on and um, yeah, he was saying about like, stuff he wanted to sort out in his swing that were causing him issues with his body. And and uh, with my background of, of how, how I got into coaching, i my, what got me into coaching originally was going to seek out someone to help me with the issues I was having with my own body. So um, I learned a few things from that. And yeah, I put some of those points across to him and I said, Well, have you thought about maybe this is the cause to, and I'll go into more detail about that, but have you thought about this is causing what you're trying to fix to happen, instead of dealing with the root cause of what was happening, it was, it was the right stuff that he wanted to work on to try and free up some limitations and, and, and take some stress off his body but the thing that was making him move like that wasn't being fixed and so I just said look you, you've got to look at how you're set up to the goal you've got to look at your posture positioning of your pelvis this is all having a big influence over the way you can move um, and I think I think he heard the same thing a lot about these are the things you've got to improve in your golf swing and he works as you know works his arse off on it and tries to improve it but doesn't, doesn't see it getting better and I think it was probably a bit of a Breath of fresh air for him to hear a different viewpoint on maybe why there's problems with what he's doing.
1: You know, he he'd gone out to to see George Gangus in the states, I think, earlier that year, and um, was sort of you know basically I think with George's blessing, trying to um, do some of the stuff he was he's been taught, and I, I know Tom as well as he's had definitely got his own ideas about stuff as well so
0: tom bailey's ideas were based on the research he had done to solve his own back issues
1: just one
4: day scrolling for instagram and came across george Gankus. and he you're familiar with george yeah? yeah so he he um i see the swings and this is back four or five years ago back when he, everyone thought he was a mental and crazy guy <laughs> um <laughs> he's just a random bloke with a good instagram with crazy golf swings um, and I saw that his, none of his guys had any of the issues I had. And I thought, look, oh, I'm going to go see this guy because he seems like he's doing something different. It was a big jump all the way over to the States and he was quite expensive. But um, yeah, I learned some stuff off of him that was game-changing for my own game, but, but also led me into the coaching by complete accident. Um, and basically the way he teaches posture is very, very different to the last 30 years of instruction, but not that different to previous 30 years before that and where people used to set up. So
1: he just comes onto the range and he always usually asks me how I'm doing or what I'm working on because, you know, we're we're mates. So we are having a chat and uh, he was saying, well, you know, let me have a look at your golf swing at the time. I was pretty reluctant to show him because you get into a a stage of having too many opinions and having too, too many people try and tell you what they want. But, um, I I let him have a look see me hit a few balls and said um yeah I think I know what your problem is and I'm like yeah sure you do yeah because that's a a classic line for 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 coaches
0: back to Stuart shepherd laird's father on the chance meeting with bailey
1: I guess it was
2: probably fate I mean tom tom is quite a garrulous guy i'm not i've not seen him for a couple of years I, I briefly managed uh, our county junior side and um so i know i know i knew tom Reesley well then and he's was, he was one of the guys who, who talk talk a lot and sometimes you might switch off <laughs> but um but he's a very nice guy but um and i think led probably when tom came and inside sort of giving him hints of what to do he was initially a bit resistant maybe
1: I humoured him and was like, okay, so what would you have me do?
2: Uh, so I talked him through some of the posture stuff
4: and it's it feels crazy at first because it goes against everything we, we, the last 30 years of coaching um, of what we would believe is fundamental good posture and textbook and looks, aesthetic and, and everything. And he's like, it does feel weird, but he had a couple of shots and he said he, he felt some swings that he, he felt freer than he ever had and, and some ball flights and he felt all of a sudden he can move it both ways.
1: He came and, and got me into this sort of position that felt completely alien to me. I mean, the first time I showed the golf swing um, of how I was trying to do it to my girlfriend uh, after, after that, she, she thought I was joking. She thought I was joking how I stood to the ball.
3: <laughs> I did. <laughs> I can't believe he said that, but I did, yeah. He showed me it and I was like, I looked at him and I thought, he's not being serious. <laughs> but he was being serious. So I said, you do you, you know everyone, you know, everyone's their own person. I don't know I don't know what's right. So there you go.
4: So it wasn't massive amount of work to get him to actually make the change. It was more just I think giving him the actual explanation behind how the anatomy works and and, uh, and what it was causing him to do and as soon as he understood that it clicked and he's like well why wouldn't I want to do that um I think he was willing to try anything at that point
1: so I did it and I was like wow this actually feels a lot easier to to do the things that I'm trying to work on with with David and um you know this is pretty amazing like I wasn't expecting this and uh So then a few more days went by and saw him again. And and he's big on, on just doing a lot of, um, you know, movements you could do in the gym, um, drills you could do away from the golf course. And for me, that was brilliant, you know, because I was, I was at that point, I was getting pretty sick of, of playing average golf. And, and, uh, when I go and hit balls, I want to hit shots. I don't want to work on stuff. Um, it's just the way I am. So, you know, for, for then January, I would Facetime and I had to go back up to Scotland because of the lockdown restrictions and stuff again. But we Facetime Tom um, quite a few times and just get different drills and different stuff to work on and a lot of sort of band band stuff and and trying to create a a, a bigger turn essentially.
4: And to be honest, it hasn't been like an intense relationship in terms of he's coming to me every week. We've been grinding. It's me giving him some more like consulting to help him with his swing. And kind of got a FaceTime every few weeks to see how things are going, make some progress on other things, and yeah, that, that's how it went over over the lockdown. I mean, my, my whole business went online because of the lockdown here, and and I was getting used to pretty much that's where I do most of my work now is online anyway. So
1: and uh, you know it worked. You know, I I didn't hit a ball for probably the first six weeks of of the year in 2021 i just did all this this drill stuff every day and um went to hit balls for the first time for mid-february and sent a sent a video to tom was like mate you've you've solved it you've you've done it for me so um i was i was just so relieved to have something that was seeming to be to work and um that was yeah that was uh huge you know even up until a few months ago, I, I would I would call my parents and they'd ask me how I'm getting on. I'd say, I can't believe that Tom Bailey has saved my golf career and he's, you know, one of my mates from when I was little. It's just uh just pretty, pretty cool that he was he was the, the guy to really help me. And you know, I, that's not saying that David and Charles haven't helped as well, but you know, everything just just, just come together at the right time. So, you know, it couldn't be going to be more grateful for that.
0: Tom shared a text he received from Laird.
1: The one he sent, which was from the
4: 30th of May, was, i read sorry, I said, Hi, Chief, had the first event in the last few days. Just wanted to thank you for the help. Body is feeling good. And played golf Monday through to Saturday with no problems. It was was very rusty, and it's always different, bringing a newish move to tournament golf for the first time. But overall, happy with how things are going. (laughs) <laughs> dropped three shots in the last three holes to miss the cut by one, but grateful to be pain free. We're on the right track. So I just, just want to say that it's, it's awesome to hear that he's actually, he's happy that he's, he's played an event without pain. It, he knows he's missed the cut and he's laughed about it, but the fact that he's done it without pain was, was a start. So that was, that was nice to hear. And obviously when you've helped to play, you want to know that they're, they're having success with their scores and through their events. Um, but it's weird that it almost brings more satisfaction knowing that you've, you've helped them actually continue to play golf.
1: It was instantly noticeable to me, um, how it was just much easier to to move basically. And that's the worst sensation I think for any golfer, if you're stiff or you, you, you can't, you feel like you can't do what you, your brain's telling you to do. And, um, yeah. So it was, it was sort of instantly a lot better. And then, you know, you've got to work at it cause it's a, it's a very different, for me, it felt very alien at the time. So it took a lot of, of work, but, um, the best thing is when you get in sort of instant satisfaction or like instant results from something and you can see that it's working and that's, that's what, that's what kept me going because I was getting results. Whereas previously, you know, I put a lot of hard work in and not really seeing, any benefit from it. So
0: did you get to times where you're like, you're emotional, you're out, you're done. Um, fuck it.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Multiple in, times. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I said to my girlfriend in November last year, I said, you know, I think my words were, I don't know how long, much longer I, I want to keep doing this. If, if nothing changes, if, if I'm not getting any results, basically.
3: I think, at that point he was just, it's just that thought, like, can, can I actually put myself through this? Um, You know, all the work that goes into it, if it's not going to work out. Um, So, yeah, I think that was a tough, tough time for him. And to have that, I think he did have a bit of a conversation with himself in terms of he needed to be open to exploring a few different things. if, If there was anything that he was interested in, you know, just being open to the idea that it might not be golf, might not be the thing that works out for him.
1: My my most memorable sort of uh, meltdown, let's say, was probably in in the very start of January. It only just started seeing Tom, or only just seen Tom in December, and hadn't really played much golf. And went to practice one day, and and just was not hitting it very well, and struggling with you know a little bit of sort of residual back pain. Although that you know, seemed to work out um, in the end, but I hit about five or six shots. it was very, very cold obviously January in St Andrews, but um hit five or six shots and just, chucked my club about 50 yards into some rough and, and and walked back to my car um and I was pretty upset uh you know, I just said to my girlfriend like I'm not very good at anything else so it's kind of scary thinking you spent five, years five six years of your life pursuing something that ultimately turns out you know potentially not to be
3: you know I was there next to him when he was throwing that club and telling him to you know keep his chin up or whatever or trying to be the positive voice but there's just nothing you could say at that point because again I've not been through what he's been through and you know that's unique to him and
1: fortunately after that was when I basically decided I'm not going to hit a ball for a month and just do this, this stuff. And, you know, that gave me a little bit of time, which is, which is probably a good thing as well. Um, Just to, just to get used to the changes and, um, and just get back to playing golf, playing golf in the golf course. I mean, you know, wow. I I look back on the first four years or five years at university and um, I could probably count on, both my hands in, in that four years how many bounce games I played I mean I literally didn't play golf if it wasn't the golf tournament um so just just being able to get back and enjoy playing golf I mean if you want to get better at something you go enjoy it and um that's that allowed me that time to just get back playing and enjoying the game so
0: Laird Shepherd entered the 126th British amateur championship at Nairn as 846th in the world amateur golf rankings.
1: Yes. I got a call probably. uh, It must've been two or three weeks before the event. So it was quite a long time before it started saying that, you know, I got a place in the field and, um, I know there was a lot of alternates that got in just because of the travel restrictions and stuff. So, um, Obviously, you know one of the most depressing things for me was thinking about imagine if I don't even get into these events anymore events that you know I was playing to win three years ago. I was really thinking i I could could win these events and to think that I wasn't even going to get a spot in the field that was you know it hurt pretty bad, so um,
3: I knew he could go far in it, obviously, I think he did too and um. But you know you've got to take it one step at a time. You know you, the first protocol is to make the make the cut in the qualifying, and you know he didn't exactly breeze in that, breeze through in that either. So you know it was kind of a two-step process. But um, I think once it gets to the match play, you know he's gonna he's gonna always grind it out to the end. So
0: part two of this podcast starts at the first round of stroke play at Nairn. You'll meet several new characters, and you'll not only hear about one incredible comeback, an amazing display of sportsmanship in class, there's also some friendship, tough love, bad yardage, a big coffee, the jitters, and a street fighter in new shoes.
2: Yeah, on the first tee, there was a, behind the first tee, there was a guy, and he turned to the guy he was with and and said, I've been watching this Laird Shepherd. he's a real street fighter. Um, I thought that was a pretty precedent thing to say in the circumstances. (laughs)
0: Important to note, we couldn't be doing this without the support from our friends at Par Points. Here's Brandon Ebert, who has two young sons. He's also the co-founder of the app that is helping grow the game.
2: When i take the boys to play golf, we would play forward. And you know I'd play maybe from a tee box, for a tee box, they'd play up. And, and there was a time where my oldest son, Corbin, gets par from 50 yards, and my youngest son, Keaton, gets par from 25 yards. And Corbin goes, hey, I deserve more points than my brother because I made par from, from further back. And that's ball went on. I was like, "Yeah, we have something." And then I realized I was having so much more fun playing golf when I was scoring than I was trying to navigate bogeys and pars from you know the the, the blue tee boxes, if you will.
0: Download Par Points and go make par.